2: What's good? What's going on? Welcome back to another episode of the Hog Saving Firecase powered by SB Nation. You can find us at hogsaving.com, at hogsaving on Twitter and on Facebook. I am your host, Molly Mo. You can find me at Twitter at Let Ma Tell It. Do not forget the you. On the show today, man, you know why we're here. Previewing the san francisco 49ers and the washington commanders man yes i know what you're thinking um we might as well look forward to cleveland or you could be like one of my friends right he was on the he was on the show so i'm not going you know what i'm saying i'm not going to go ahead and uh hide his name but montel you could be like him and 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 think immediately after the giants game that the season is over they peaked. And then a couple days later, text your best friend or one of your good friends and be like, hey, I think, I think Washington finna beat the Niners. You could you could add one or the other, you know. I'm not gonna sit here and lie to you though. I think that Washington is in a position uh where uh they are capable of keeping this game close. Um, so I do wanna say that part while I am making fun of my boy but uh I do think Washington has a chance to make things close um on the show today mind you we do have uh Niners Nations uh Rob Guerrero coming through um he's going to be able to you know bring some we actually just have an open conversation he's out, but he's going to be able to bring some perspective to the Niners side and whether or not that he believes that there is a letdown opportunity for the Niners specifically Brock Purdy as well uh knowing his situation so I'm um, knowing the situation of a rookie and knowing the situation of him um, being being uh, exposed to new de- defenses, new coverages and things like that and, and how he may react or may or may not react in that regard. So, again, uh, Rob is joining us in a few minutes. Um, but first and foremost, uh, make sure you hit that like I said, like I'm thinking I'm on YouTube. <laughs> make sure you hit that subscribe button if you are not subscribed to the Hogs Saving podcast this is definitely appreciated. Um, a review will help go along, go a long way as well. So, um, but at the same time, nevertheless, we do appreciate you just listening, um, in that regard. So, never take that for granted on my side, man. And happy holidays, everybody, for real. Um, this has been personally speaking for those who listen daily or whenever the episodes drop. Personally speaking, um, you know, my first season with the Hogs Haven podcasts and SB nation podcast company or group. Um, you know, man, it's, it's, it's been, it's been good. It's been real good. And, um, you know, I'm appreciative of the opportunity. I'm appreciative of, you know, at least what I've been able to start here. Um, and, you know, I appreciate everybody who, again, who has tuned in, uh, those who have tuned in every each and every episode, those who have tuned in occasionally, you know, and just genuinely like the content, um, and just like the conversations and just like the, 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 the analysis and or viewpoints and perspective all those things all those words all those adjectives that describe this podcast we definitely appreciate it i appreciate it first and foremost i think that's the biggest thing for me um so yeah happy holidays man and, and if hey if you don't check back in until new year's or check out the new year's happy new year to you as well but um we are not done we will be back next week as well um pro bowlers pro Bowlers. Um, Washington has four that's been selected to the Pro Bowler, um, Pro Bowls. Uh, and that's Jonathan Allen as a starter, Tressway as a starter, Jeremy Reeves as a starter. Uh, and then I am wrong. Um, oh, Terry McLaurin, I'm sorry, three starters, and Terry McLaurin is a reserve. I was like, I know I'm wrong here. Oh, <laughs> uh, so we got four that's been voted to the Pro Bowl, three as a starter, one is a reserve, and Terry McLaurin. Um, I'm not too mad at the people in front of him. Uh AJ Brown uh is one. Uh, and I believe maybe Justin Jefferson, I think, is the other one. Um, I'm not too mad at that. Um, but yeah, that's that. And then Deron Payne and Montez Sweat, rightfully so, uh, are alternates, or excuse me, at least recognized rightfully so as Pro Bowlers. Um, and there'll be alternates, Deron Payne being a first alternate, Montez Sweat being a second alternate. This is gonna be interesting though, because this is not a football game anymore. Um, I used to love the skills competition for the pro bowl back in the day. Like I know they had it like recently, I believe um, the skills competitions, they brought it back, but I used to love it when I was younger, like the week of just, just seeing different um, challenges uh, for these guys. Um, and, and so that's going to be interesting. And obviously seeing the flag football game, I wonder how they'll implement it. Um, Cause they, I know they're not going to have a level on 11. That don't even make no sense. <laughs> So what are they going to do for the, uh, the offensive line and defensive line? Cause I know for me, um, if you all know me, I know I play flag football, um, and we play physical, but like, we ain't no professionals to make a living playing football. So like, I, are they really going to have like blocking backs and, and, and rushers? That's going to be weird, but it's going to be good to see like how they implement that flag football game and how they incorporate, if they incorporate offensive linemen and defensive linemen into the picture. Um, but yeah, man, shout out to the pro ballers. Obviously, if you saw Jeremy Reeves, um, the video that the commanders posted, that was, um, I mean, look, that was crazy to see, like the raw emotion of a person who has been fighting his whole career to make an imprint on a team. You know, he's been cut, re-signed, cut, re-signed, cut, re-signed, et cetera, all that stuff throughout his entire career. And he's found some stability this year. I think he made the team um, on the first go. He didn't get cut at all. Um, Jeremy Reed's been around since then, and he's been recognized as a, a very good special teamer man. And um, shout out to him. Um, you know, shout out to the journey that he's been through. Because I love, I love a journey, man. And some people, or everybody, has a, a journey that's different than the next. Um, and some people take different paths to get to the same path as a person who had it easy. Um, And and that's what makes people different. And that's what makes, that's what breeds different competitors. And um, Jeremy Reeves getting recognized for his journey. I mean, not literally his journey, but getting recognized, knowing, you know, what he's been through compared to, you know, other individuals who may have not had that same path. Um, And to be recognized as one of those better guys from the fan base and, and and from the, the fans of the NFL and from the coaches or whoever else votes on the Pro Bowl. I mean, that's a good nod, man, to be a starter for, uh, special teams as well so shout out to him we didn't do a uh after further review against the from the Giants game um and that wasn't intentional but like the week was weird and that's kind of you know what makes things weird but um I think Washington heading into this game against the Niners like like I said they're gonna have a chance to keep it close. but um I think for and like I said, I'm I'm saving the conversation, like the true conversation, for when we talk to Rob, and you'll hear that shortly. But I think that there's like several opportunities that you can take from the Giants game and learn. Um, offensively, the main one, uh, because I didn't mention this as my key when I talked to Rob, but the main one being able to stick with the ground game and like run the ball and tote like the way that they've been able to develop their downhill run game whether it's power counter duo like the way they've been able to develop um in that aspect i think that you know when you go up against the niners right and you know about that front seven um all together i i think that they are obviously one of the better pass rushing units and they're just generally a fast team ron very even acknowledged that like they are a fast defense um and and that's what makes them lethal um from all perspectives sideline to sideline you're not going to bully them up front um you want to pass on them okay good good luck uh good luck trying to test that secondary because that that uh front seven that pass rush is going to get to you uh within three seconds so you better make a decision quick like all those things are important but if you're able to establish a ground game right and try to try to get something going um i think that uh the washington's play action game the way they're able to get or the way they were able to exploit the Giants defense in that second half right out of the gate um, was promising. And and I also think that they've been able, like the way they've been able to um, use that play action off of their duo looks um, and try to like, try to get there, like use that play action off of those duo looks um, and use the play action generally off of the success of Brian Robinson in that run game. Um, There's potential there. Like, and and maybe it depends on the coverage that the that team is playing. Because for example, that second half where Washington was able to score on five plays or six plays, whatever it was, um, the Giants came out playing soft cover three. Um, and and while it was 12 personnel and it was just Jahan and uh Terry McLaurin out there, maybe you had the cornerback who wasn't so good, like and and couldn't really trust himself a little bit closer to the line of scrimmage, playing like close to eight to ten yards off the ball. And if you get that same type of look against the the Niners um you should be doing the same thing same thing you did against the giants i think that 12 personnel look um with the one tight end i'm excuse me one running back two tight ends um maybe even 13 like if you can get these type of looks and and have your tight ends block they ass off because that's logan thomas i don't like him in blocking like he 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 does it but he's not good at it um cole turner he's young i didn't like him in college blocking though but you know maybe on the next level this level meaning he maybe he can get some coaching and 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 be a more effective blocker um John Bates has a run blocker is solid um uh, but if you can use these 12 13 personnel sets where you can emphasize um you know manipulating the defense with your with your tight ends right whether as a blocker whether as a uh a, a motion whether as a a split guy like or 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 coming back across the the opposite end of where the play is intended like split looks um pre-snap post-snap motions misdirections things like that um you know maybe you can get that fast defense flowing in opposite manners flowing in opposite directions um and having your offensive line execute up front um can can really uh clear the way for brian robinson and antonio gibson uh if they're able to make it past that first level um and create some havoc uh, in the run game so I think the run game is something, like I said, that I didn't mention against uh, or mention with Rob that I think is going to be very good and a very good opportunity for for uh, for Washington um, this weekend. They have to establish the ground game. They have to stick with it. And it's not going to be easy. You're going up against the number one rush defense in the NFL. But if you don't try. Right. Then you are fooling yourself. You know what your makeup is. You know what your identity is. And truthfully speaking, Terry McLaurin is a dog. He is obviously the face of the franchise, but this offense right now, the way that they're Excuse me, the way that they're moving, uh the way that they're the they the way that they've developed, this is off of the backs of Brian Robinson. Off of the back of Brian Robinson. So, that is the most important thing for me. Um establish that ground game, do not stop running it. Um I don't have an issue with like how they utilize Curtis Samuel at all. Um, I, I've never done that. And I don't, I think that people who are complaining about, oh, they use Curtis Samuel too much. I don't think that that's true. Um, or excuse me, I disagree with that. I think that they use Curtis Samuel a healthy amount. Um, I don't think that they, it was just, I don't think it was just the, the, the timing in which they used, uh, Curtis Samuel Sunday night was just off. Um, and then understanding that the giants had an answer for what Turner wanted to do was just off. Like I mean, that just didn't work for Washington, but overall, um, how you implement them in the run game? Like, for example, you use them in decoy. At one point, like a lot of people didn't see, like there was a another thing, like that twelve per, personnel package—one running back, two tight ends. Um, they used Curtis Samuel in the backfield, so that gave the defense like a like somewhat like an off off um like a weak eye or something like that. Um, so you had Brian Robinson and Curtis Samuel in the backfield, and and they ran counter to Brian Robinson, but because curtis samuel is in the backfield the defense has to focus in on on they have to key in on curtis right so they use curtis samuel to sprint towards the side the sideline like right after snap that draws the second level linebackers out of the play side gap and 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 brian robinson is able to get i think 11 yards on that play on that counter run so like how they implement curtis samuel is just as important um or excuse me, how they like dress dress things up with Curtis Samuel, to be clear. It's just as important as how they use him on handoffs and things like that. So I, I do not mind Curtis Samuel. It just wasn't the best night um, in their usage of him in um, the times that they use him as well. Um, I think, I mean, there are several more opportunity. Like, obviously, we know about Taylor Heineke, right? He has to he has to play better, and I think he has to play better out of the gate um, to this point in the week which I'm recording on a Thursday, I think we know, and if you don't know, Ron Rivera has definitely mentioned a couple of occasions in that, you know, Taylor Heineke and the conversation of uh, Carson Wentz um, is definitely being considered and, and discussed among the coaches. And, and I think like, as the week has developed, I think we understand and we should come to understand that this is a, a first half that Taylor Heineke can't afford to, um, you know, look bad in. Like you have to put up points, you have to look somewhat competent, like you can't wait to the last second um of a game and 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 turn things up. They're not the coaches aren't gonna allow that. And they're definitely not gonna allow that with the playoffs on the line. So um I, I think that's the most important thing with Taylor is come out on fire. Um and, and we'll again with Rob, we'll dive a little bit more into that. Um so yeah, uh I think and another thing too, I I want people to understand, um, because y'all really Y'all really hurt my feelings when y'all said this. <laughs> uh, but no, uh, when I want people to understand, like there was a person who made a comment, just like saying, they're not listening to anything, any podcast, any commentary related to a conversation about quarterback because Carson uh, Scott, t- excuse me, Taylor Heineke is five one and one. Why are we talking about a quarterback change? Um, and they they said this before the Giants game. And I, I'm, I've been telling you all, if you've been listening again, remember, you know what I'm saying? I appreciate everybody who listened every week appreciate everybody listening to every episode but if you've been listening like we've been talking about Carson Wentz for several weeks and my main thing was the pressure will be on when Carson Wentz is officially backing up Taylor Heineke I have always said that I've continued to say that so I just want people to know like when you say things like you know I don't want to hear anything related to Carson Wentz because the Taylor is winning That's not the same sentiments in the locker room. That's not the same sentiments by the coaches. Like when the playoffs are on the line and people are trying to make the playoffs and trying to have a chance to win the Super Bowl, they want somebody who out there they can trust or whoever the coaches feel like is the best opportunity. They don't care about how good you are in the locker room when the games are on the line. They want to see you execute. And at the quarterback position, they want to see the best person play or the best person that coaches think can fit in that offense in the moment. That may or may not be Taylor Heineke. He may overcome and have a solid game against the Niners. I'm just saying he cannot come out and have a bad start because it's a wrap. It'll be a wrap for him. That's going to wrap it up for me on the front end. um, Up next is a conversation with, oh, by the way, I'm sorry, score prediction. Um, I do have Washington covering. Um, I would say say 21-17. 21-17 Twenty-one seventeen, Washington, I mean, excuse me, San Fran, um, Twenty-one Um, Don't ask me how we get to 17. Uh, don't ask me how Washington only allows 21 points. Don't ask me none of that. <laughs> all right, up next is a conversation with Rob Guerrero and myself. Um, and, yeah, man, take it easy. Enjoy your holidays. Uh, Merry Christmas, all that good stuff, and we'll talk after the game. Peace. Joining me right now is Rob Guerrero. Rob... Covers the Niners for SB Nations, Niner Nation. Uh Rob, I appreciate you joining me today, boss, man. How you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, let's go ahead and start off with the the, the bigger question, man. Because from, from Washington's perspective, uh a lot of people believe that they are going up against the beast. Um, and I'm not necessarily too far away from that. I, I think that the Niners are one of the are easily one of the best teams in the NFL, and I would say top four. Um, is this the is this the Niners uh best? Team or Shanahan's best Niners team in his era since he's been a head coach? I think it is, which sounds crazy
1: to say because they made the Super Bowl in 2019. But there are so many guys on this team that are that were on that 2019 team that are better now. Right. Nick Bosa was a rookie in 2019. He's better. Debo Samuel, same thing. He's better now. Fred Warner is better now. Eric Armstead is better now. They have Brandon Ayuk now who they didn't have. So uh Trent Williams also should mention that thank you very much for him by the way. <laughs> so I, I mean, do yeah, think whatever. that <laughs> this is the best team they've ever had. Now, you know, Brock Purdy is there so that's a huge question mark, but other than that I would say yes, this is the best.
2: So like the identity um I, I, like Shanahan brilliant offensive mind, obviously and then D'Amico Ryan's his like he's like for from everybody else's perspective, like you all knew about him, but from everybody else's perspective came out of nowhere. Like top defense in the NFL number one um and we know like defenses travel and and that's like no question moving forward throughout the rest of the season and obviously in playoffs you're going to have a defense um but what is like that the true identity of the the 22 2022 20, Niners is it that defensive side of the football or is it more of a mix uh b- because of what they're capable of doing on both sides of the football
1: Since they've gotten Christian McCaffrey, the offense has picked up. They're scoring eight more points a game, but I still think the identity of this team is the defense. It's such a comfort for Kyle Shanahan. He knows if the offense gets off to a slow start, even if they have a turnover early, that defense shows up every week. They play at an incredibly high level and this year, they're doing something that they haven't done, and that's turning the ball over. They have more interceptions. They have 14 interceptions this year and 12 touchdown passes allowed. That's how good this team is at turning the ball over. There's only been two teams all year that have scored more than 17 points against them. The identity of this team, even though Kyle is a great play caller, it's definitely the defense led by D'Amico Ryans.
2: Yeah, like what really surprised me um, now I'm a little I'm a gambler I don't know about you but um I'm a gambler and uh, what really surprised me was like the it was two games and and it was four and against though so the the first game was the Niners I mean excuse me the Chiefs game now I I had complete faith in the Niners at that point um and I knew eventually they would turn it around so I thought that that was the turning point and obviously that was one of those games where you go up against a high uh, uh fast offense uh, uh, Andy Reid led offense Patrick Mahomes and boom, you know, that happens. And it's a little bit surprising because of how they took off. And then you look at the Dolphins game, another game where, like, I had money on both games is why I brought up that part. And and I had both in favor of the Niners. And, like, that second chance to face some some similar team as the the Kansas City Chiefs, a fast offense, Um, like, everything about that offense is speed, speed, speed. And you have a Niners team who was able to create those turnovers and really shut down a, a Miami Dolphins offense like that. Like, seeing something in that in that essence, um, how, and, and matter of fact, beating the Chargers twenty-two to sixteen, like, how do you see these teams like moving forward and and just understanding where your defense is now and like projecting throughout the year? Is that something where you're like you're completely confident that this is this is a Super Bowl caliber defense to the to the event of like that the the Eagles doesn't scare me, the Cowboys doesn't scare me, um, and whoever comes out of the AFC they don't scare me at all either.
1: Yeah, no, look, that's the one part of this team that I can rely on. There's been some craziness on the offensive side of the ball. This defense brings it every week. Even that Chiefs game, that was 14-13 Chiefs at halftime. And then Patrick Mahomes just went absolutely nuts in the second half of that game. So they really have only had two bad quarters all year. Other than that, this is a championship-level defense. There are some games where, honestly, they drag this team kicking and screaming to victory. Mm. The first game against the Rams, that was a tight game until Talanoa Hufanga intercepts the ball and takes it back for a touchdown. Like sometimes the defense literally just does it by itself. That's how confident I am in this team. And I know that the Chiefs are very good and, and they yeah. credit to them. They put up 40 points on the Niners earlier this year. But as a fan, I fear no team in the NFL, definitely no team in the NFC and even the AFC teams. When your defense is that good,
2: you've got a puncher's chance against anybody. Absolutely, um, but let's turn to that offensive side of football. Man is is Brock Purdy being viewed as something more? Or are there conversations? Let's say that are there are there conversations about Brock Purdy being viewed as something more than just the Jimmy G placeholder? How how is those conversations at the quarterback position going? Uh,
1: they're crazy. People, the second he came in and didn't just totally implode, people are like, "Trade, Trey Lance. We don't need this. Is the guy we found I saw an article
2: guy. about Trey Lance too. They said they they said that, or it was a it was like, should he be traded? And the answer was no. But yeah, there was articles out there I, for sure.
1: It's insane. Like, and I get it. The backup quarterback is always the most pop- popular guy in the room. But like, we gotta, we have to calm down here. Like, don't forget, this is a team that saw Jimmy Garoppolo come in in twenty seventeen and win five straight games, and look great, and we thought this is our franchise guy, and they pay him all that money, and then guess what? Here we are now trying to shove Jimmy Garoppolo out the door because we know he's not the guy. So why would we make that same mistake with Brock Purdy? I keep telling people, just enjoy it, man. This is not normal. We have a third-string quarterback, rookie, the last pick in the draft, in the seventh round, who has come in and kept the train on the tracks. We're playing with house money as far as I'm yeah. concerned. Let's just sit back and enjoy the ride.
2: So there was a side note. Um, there was a conversation, uh, I believe, on the I Am Athlete podcast. I may be wrong, and I may have missourced it. I don't remember. Um, but it was like a week or two ago, and it was about Jimmy G. And I want to know if you have any insight on this. Um, the players who feel like he had like a, a little, a, a little knowledge on the situation Um, had mentioned Jimmy G in that first year that he got there. Um, and he said that he was trying to use, meaning he, as in Kyle, was trying to use Jimmy G as trade bait to get Kirk Cousins over to San Francisco. So, I don't know if you have any idea of what they're referring to, but but did you did any of that conversation come about like over the course of these since since that time has passed or even during the moment? Do you do you know about? How like what the plan could have been for for Jimmy G and uh Kyle Shanahan wanting Kirk Cousins in that moment, like during that draft period? Well, I
1: didn't haven't heard specifically that conversation, but I do know for a fact that Kyle, I mean, Kirk Cousins is Kyle Shanahan's first love. Yeah, He has yeah. admitted, Shanahan has publicly that he did not scout Deshaun Watson or Patrick Mahomes. Because the plan was we were going to sign Kirk Cousins in free agency. Like Kyle had already decided that was the way he was going to go. Think about that. They could have had Patrick Mahomes. They could have drafted him. They took Solomon Thomas again. That giant waste of space. (laughs) They could have had Mahomes. But Kyle was so focused on Kirk Cousins that he didn't even scout him, which goes on Kyle Shanahan's football tombstone forever because that's (laughs) franchise malpractice. But that was the plan. And then Garoppolo kind of just fell into his lap and we know that even after those five games, like Kyle wasn't really totally sold on Jimmy Garoppolo. He really only got into the game at all that year because the uh, the guy oh that God was hurt. playing quarterback got hurt. So yeah. I wouldn't shun uh, stun me at all if the plan literally was to try and get rid of Garoppolo for Cousins because Kyle loves him some Kirk man.
2: Yeah, he does. Um, but I, I would like. How about this? Because you mentioned Mahomes, right? And, and obviously, to this point, we know like Patrick Mahomes uh, is who he is, right? That's un- that's undoubted talent, whatever. Uh, but knowing how the team is currently, um, would you take the type of team that you have now or would you take Patrick Mahomes, uh, drafting him, would you take Patrick Mahomes uh, in that year uh, versus what you have now?
1: It's hard to say. Hmm. I love the team now, but Patrick yeah. Mahomes is freakishly good. Like, he is carrying that Kansas City team other than Travis Kelsey they have no real weapons that scare anybody in any way and he's still got them in a position to potentially be the number one seed in the AFC so I love this team the 49ers team I love the way they're constructed I love the way they play but if you're telling me I get Patrick Mahomes it's really really hard to turn that that half a
2: million dollar I mean half a billion dollar contract (laughs) yeah he's worth it though man And, and it ain't my money yeah, absolutely. All right. So let's get back to Purdy for a second. Do you think that there is a letdown spot looming for Purdy this year? Understanding like his draft position, understanding that um I don't think the not like I don't I don't have like, like the Seattle and San Fran rivalry. I always think that those are defensive games in, in, in its core, um, or at least of, of recent years over the past decade. Um, and like I think that's the only defense that Purdy had really had to go up against that was kind of going to challenge him because they knew who Kyle Shanahan was. But what do you think about the last 3 games um at least in the regular season? Is there a potential letdown spot for him? Um Commanders may have, may be the most solid defense that he's going up against.
1: Yeah, I think they are. I mean, what you guys are 4th in yards allowed yeah. this year? That's incredible allowing less than 20 points a game. Um I think that Purdy is due for a letdown because he does have physical limitations. He doesn't have incredible arm talent. You know, he can't rip the ball in a tight window down the field. Now, luckily Kyle Shanahan doesn't ask him to do a lot of that, but I think that there are stages, right? First, a new quarterback comes in and and defensive coordinators want to see like, okay, can he handle the blitz? What happens if he handles the blitz? And Brock has done that very, very well. Then they get into, all right, he can handle the blitz. Let's see if he can decipher coverage. We'll play a lot of zone. And Brock's done. Okay in that area, but now we're getting to the point where there's enough film on him where coordinators and teams can say, Here's what he doesn't do well. So we're gonna force him to do those things. And I think that's where we're at with Brock now. I think that teams are gonna figure out what he doesn't do well, and then they're gonna kind of make him have to play left-handed, so to speak, and we'll see if he can overcome those things. And he is still a rookie, so he's he is going to make some rookie mistakes. And the other thing with Brock is we haven't really seen him have to play from behind. The Niners have always either been tied or ahead. So we don't really know if they get down by one or two scores and he does have to throw, can he lead the team
2: down the field? That's one thing we haven't seen yet. Yeah. uh, I think the crazy thing is just understanding how far along that Niners offense has come. Even like throughout the course of this season, you, you acquire Christian McCaffrey who has really like brought like true stability to um what this offense can do and what what Shanahan can do with the offense um it's hard to even sit here and and have me like see that they can go down by a significant number of points like it's it's just hard for me to see it um that man McCaffrey and and I guess before we get into the actual matchup I guess uh what are your thoughts on how McCaffrey has done to this or what he has done to this offense I had saw um a let me pull up the bookmark um since joining the Niners McCaffrey has been um among running backs number one in receptions number two in yards uh number one in yards after catch uh first and first downs and, and has a receiving grade of uh, number one by pro football focus like he has been uh, very effective and, and what are your thoughts on Christian McCaffrey and what he's done for this uh, Niners offense
1: I think he saved the season, honestly. Last year, that the offense was struggling, and Kyle Shanahan put Debo in the backfield, and that totally transformed their offense and helped them get back into the playoffs. This year, I think the move was trading for McCaffrey. I mean, you laid it out there in all those statistics. He has completely become maybe the focal point of the offense because he's so versatile that he doesn't give anything away. Him being in the game doesn't tell you, okay, they're automatically going to run. They're automatically going to pass. He can line up anywhere. He can line up out wide. He lines up in the slot. He can go from the slot to the backfield or vice versa. He's so versatile. and can do so many things that the defense can't narrow down what they think the Niners are going to do. And so they just attack you from everywhere. And I was skeptical when they made the trade because they gave up a lot. They gave up a second, mm-hmm. a third, and a fourth this year and a fifth round pick next year. But I have to say, he has been worth all of those picks. And every 49ers fan now is just holding their breath that he is healthy for these last three games and can
2: get to the playoffs physically ready to compete. What are the Niners community saying about this Commanders matchup? Um, Whether fans, players, coaches, etc. What's the the word on, on the Commanders matchup?
1: I think that we would be a lot more nervous if they hadn't already clinched the NFC West. Knowing that, I think it's it's more like, yeah, we want to win. We think we should win. But if we don't, it's okay. But I keep telling people, and you tell me, I think this defense is legitimate. I think this is not going to be a pushover game by the 49ers at all. And if it's close, I feel like Taylor Heineke can work a little magic in late in the
2: fourth quarter. The, the Heine dust, as as they said on uh, NBC uh, Sunday night. Um, Look, to answer your – I don't – so the defense, I, I I definitely trust. I think that they're a top five defense. But I I made this comment this week and and really like the week before. Like I think that there's levels to understanding what an elite defense is. And, and truthfully speaking, in today's league, I really think that there's like two or three elite defenses out there. I don't think that Washington is one of them. They have two. They have holes already, and and that really goes into the, the cornerback spot, um, and linebackers. Like there's not enough depth at the linebacker spot. You you you've lost Cole Holcomb essentially for the year, or so. You're dealing with Jay, uh, Jamin Davis, obviously, but John Bosick behind him and, and David Mayo behind him. And David Mayo, when he's on the field, can get exposed, especially if you have like the, the personnel packages to, to exploit that, meaning like the tight ends and stuff like that. Um, so you can really exploit uh, David Mayo in that regard. Jamin Davis is, is solid and he's continued to develop, but like second and third level of your defense, you're good, you're playing good. But when it comes to people with talent, um, that can exploit it, as in the Niners uh last week i really didn't even understand how the giant like the giants didn't do too much at all so that's not a concern but the niners had the potential to exploit it um in previous weeks the the vikings had potential to exploit it um that's kind of where i'm like all right uh i i definitely like this defense and i definitely like what they can do in the run game without a shadow of a doubt but if you meet the right team <laughs> you may have some issues that day and that's kind of where i'm a little hesitant but as it relates to purdy um and understanding like the challenges that a rookie quarterback can face when they haven't seen it all in the NFL. I think that there's opportunity for it for Washington, but it really has to come down to creating turnovers. Like you all are dominant on offense, um, especially with the, the mastermind that's kind of directing everything. And obviously we know you have a solid defense, but it really comes down to turnovers and being able to uh prevent them from the offensive side, Taylor Heineke, who has a lot of turnover. Uh I don't want to exaggerate, but he has plenty throughout the game. Turnover worthy plays. Um, and then a defense who needs to force some because last week against the Giants, they really needed it and nobody was able to come through. So that's kind of the the conundrum that Washington side faces. Like, can they do XYZ? It's not like we're confident they think they, they can do it, it's can they do it as opposed to like I'm confident that, that it can get done. So I don't know, man. Um we'll see. Uh especially from my side, because it's hard to put faith in the team that, you know, when you have the expectations, for example, like they were clearly better than the, the, the Giants Sunday night, like from a roster perspective. Like, you know that they're the better team, but mm-hmm. then you get out coach. And when you get out coached now, now your your players are like, what's going on? Like, we're we're trying to execute, but it ain't it ain't working because they're getting out coached. And like, those are the layers. And that's where, like, you kind of get into these questions like, can they do these things? And you just never know because you never know which cog is going to let down uh, the team. So. That's kind of why we're seven, six, and one as well. <laughs> you got screwed at the end of that game, though. We I mean, did. It was a come it on. Was definitely. It's crazy though, because you know, hey Rob, I when it happened live, I thought it was good defense. Like, I didn't even I didn't even question it. Like, I was like, Wow, I was like, Oh my goodness. Um, I can't believe we just lost. But then you see the replay, and then I see the replay, and I'm like, I'm looking at the guy holding on to the man and pulling him. And I'm saying, I said, You mean to tell me that this just happened and not one rough call to flag brutal
1: but you're calling I, penalties for for illegal formation like
2: what are we doing it, i you know what i'm gonna calm down um, <laughs> yeah no nah, i i de- i definitely i definitely said after the game that whoever whoever was responsible for making the judgment call making or not making that judgment call they do not need to be coaching or refereeing in any uh, postseason games because that that was egregious. That was an egregious error. Um, But that's all I'm going to say, because I'm I can talk about that for 30 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right. So Heineke, I mean, you spoke you spoke on it to an extent. Um, Is this something where like you all are? How do you all view Heineke? Because like we have we have varying opinions. Um, A lot of people, especially this year, tend to lean on. You know, the fact that they're winning with them, but not much tangibles um, in terms of like his performances. Like, obviously, he does really good in crunch time um, when the pressure is really on him. He's able to deliver uh, for the most part in some occasions. uh, But at the same time, like from a quarter one to quarter four game it's mixy. But but how is the Niners community thinking that they can really take advantage of this offense for the commanders? I think you said it like he's
1: up and down throughout the game. And then something happens in the fourth quarter where he seems to take his game to another level. So I think a lot of 49er fans think essentially like, Hey, let's the game plan is kind of the same. Like let's get up and ideally get up by multiple scores because when you get up by multiple scores, that's how this defense is built to attack you because they have pass rushers coming from the front four and they can leave seven back in coverage and they do not give up a lot of explosive plays. So you're going to have to consistently get the ball out quick and make the right decision over and over and over again and go all the way down the field in small chunks. And you're going to lose time as you do that. Hopefully the offense can continue to score. And so I think the thinking
2: from 49er fans is get up by multiple scores and let this defense go to work. And same thing for defensively. Um, Where where are you all at in terms of how the offense can attack the, the Washington uh, defensive front and defense altogether. Well, that is going to be the challenge because I think that Washington's going to be able to slap
1: the run game a little more than the 49ers have faced recently, and so that's going to put more on Brock Purdy's shoulders. You tell me, is Chase Young going to play in this game?
2: You, you you touching another sore topic, my brother. Oh. Um, look, I personally, um, I actually came to this conclusion after I heard his pressure. I heard it, his pressure was yesterday, I believe, or maybe two days ago, but I heard it today. Um, and hearing his responses to some of the reporting reporters' questions tells me that he's not trying to commit to anything via the media. He's also uh he also comes across as uh very vague in his responses, which is telling me he really ain't having no intentions on playing this week. Mm. Um, especially on a short week. I don't think he has any intentions on playing. And, and I think the way that his coaches kind of um like responding via media as well is all about seeing like observing how he plays in practice and i think that's what really uh holds back anybody in the organization from committing to chase young playing uh in a particular week fingers crossed that he can play but the way that he's been available for like the last four or five weeks rob and hasn't suited up yeah i it's hard for me to sit here and tell you um, like I didn't, I didn't quit. I I quit two weeks ago talking about if Chase Young is going to play or not. Like it's just a matter of time. Uh, if it happens, it happens. Otherwise, we'll see you in twenty twenty three. It's hard, man, but Washington could really use it because when you look at this defensive line now, and and I think this is going to be a good way to kind of explain it. Uh, when you look at this defensive line now, they're 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 causing pressures. They're they're getting to the quarterback, especially from the interior. Montez Sweat is, is a versatile piece because he's able to kind of – like he's like a looper. He's a, he's the person who makes plays off stunts. And if you do have an offensive tackle out there that is kind of weak in passing protection, he can take advantage of that. But if he's somebody just as good as Montez Sweat or a little bit better, Montez Sweat won't really have that many wins. But if you can get Montez on the loops and the stunts and the line games, he wins. But then you look at a person like Kayvon Thibodeau, um, who was jumping off the screen in that yeah. Sunday night game what well, from it from his playmaking ability his hustle his explosion like all of that stuff then you think about chase young and you're saying if we're gonna make this playoff run he is the piece that you need like Monte sweat is a good player but my uh chase young is the piece that you need to like have those two second wins uh two second right. pass rush wins and you need that from a guy and 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 washington doesn't really have that on the edge so um yeah i I would really like to see him play now i I had changed my mind like here and there but like my i would really like to see him if they're going to make that playoff push but uh if if they can't get from the mentality like if they can't get him to kind of commit and and trust himself and trust his leg again which is you know understandable if he doesn't but if you can't get it done then we ain't gonna see him and that makes him
1: it makes a big difference because not he elevates everybody else on that defensive line. Like you were talking about, he's going to attract double teams. That's going to open things up for sweat and everybody else there. So I would be much more nervous if you told me he was going to play. Um, But the thing is, like you said earlier, if there is a weak spot on that defense at some level, whether it's the linebacking core or the secondary, Kyle Shanahan is going to find it and he's going to press until it hurts. He will run the same play Mm -hmm. over and over and over again if it's working. It's just going to be a matter of can Brock Purdy hit those plays. And so far he's been able to do it, but, you know, this is only going to be his third start.
2: Uh, Last thing, Robin, and I appreciate you joining me this morning, man. Um, What are your keys to the game uh, and how do you see it ultimately playing out uh, in terms of who wins it? Key
1: to the game, first and foremost for Brock Purdy, protect the football. You have to – that's the only way this defense is going to – the Niners defense is going to give up a lot of points is if Brock Purdy turns the ball over in 49ers territory setting up Washington for a short field. So, number one, protect the football, absolutely. Number two, we used to call them Jimmy Gimmies. The easy plays <laughs> that Kyle Shanahan draws up, you got to hit those if you're Brock. They're going to be there. There's going to be two or three plays a game where Kittle is wide open or McCaffrey or Ayuk or somebody. So far, Brock has hit those. If he just does that and takes care of the football, that's going to be enough. And then defensively for the Niners, continue to turn the ball over. I mean, they have been phenomenal at it. Like I said, more interceptions and touchdown passes allowed. You get a couple turnovers, make life easier for Brock Purdy, give him some short fields. And those three things should be enough for the 49ers. What do you think your
2: keys to the game are? um i personally i think that it comes down to uh heineke like just trust himself like i, I think at this point um he doesn't have anything to lose like mm-hmm. you on your last leg with your coach like in terms of starting like the, the team loves him it is what it is but like if you ain't producing like you know, they're trying to make the playoffs <laughs> that, that, they don't like playoffs don't care about feelings like they want to make the playoffs so for for taylor he has to trust himself um he has to trust his teammates Uh and he has to fire the football. Like, if you're gonna if if the Niners give those opportunities to exploit them, um, and and Scott Turner calls up a play call where you know that that second level the second level receiver, whoever's running that route, may be open based on whatever coverage or whatever. Um, you make that throw, don't don't settle for the check down and don't force it into double coverage, like find what works and trust that. Um, and if you do have those shot plays, give your receivers opportunities. Um, like the one on one to Jahan Dotson. Uh, that Jahan Dotson was like the, the safety was still in phase with Jahan Dotson he Jahan didn't have a step on him so he gave that he gave that opportunity to Jahan Dotson and Jahan made a play for him and made a play for that offense like these are going to have to be the plays for Jahan I mean excuse me for the Washington to really overcome a, a Niners defense who like you said and like I believe is one is the best defense in the NFL, but you have to challenge them when those opportunities are, are around because the receivers for Washington are playmakers. It's the offensive line that has the issues. It's the quarterback who has the issues, but how do you get, how do you get the receivers opportunities is giving them in those shots when it warrants. Um, So really Taylor is going to have to believe in himself. Uh, He's also have to trust what, what the defense gives him, but take those opportunities when they come, when those one on one opportunities come, you have to fire them and you have to get that chance to the receivers. Uh, that's the only way you can really scare a defense, especially when your arm is a little bit limited. It's like, all right, if he's going to if he's going to sling it, I know that this guy is a dog. I have to play him a little bit more honest or I have to play him 10 yards off or I'm going to try and press him and, and <laughs> Fingers crossed my safety's over top of me and he's giving me help um so those are kind of the things that's the first thing with taylor second thing is uh interior offensive line um and offensive line all together man pass protection has been an issue all year um and obviously going up against that defensive front joy uh nick bosa excuse me um best player best pass rusher one of the best pass rushers in the nfl him and tj watt personally speaking i think are the best two pure one-on-one pass rushers in the nfl look hey rob by the way i seen a play from last season this was incredible. Um, so I was I was scouting a a, a Packers offensive lineman. Um, and y'all were playing uh, the the Packers. I think it was either I think it was a playoff game, and it was this rush move that Nick Bosa did against. Um, it was like a pure just power rush, but like his hands were so incredible. Like every single move that the Packers offensive lineman, the dude that I was looking at, every single move that he had and that he tried to give to Nick Bosa. Nick was just swatting it every single time, driving himself back to the quarterback like that offensive lineman never got a hand on Nick Bosa. It was one of the craziest sacks I've ever seen. Just understanding that it was a hand battle that Nick Bosa went undefeated in. Um, It looks like
1: the the guy's in slow motion for Bosa. It looks like he can see where the offensive lineman's hands are trying to go and he's just faster and he just swats them
2: away. Yes. So if he lines up on the offensive right side against Cornelius Lucas and truthfully speaking, Charles Leno is a good pass pass protector, but Nick Bosa is better. So (laughs) if he lines up on either side, but I think that the matchup is really going to be giving Cornelius Lucas headaches all game long. So you have to find a way to hold up a pass protection, whether it's the again, seven man blocking blocking protections, six man blocking protections, giving help to both tackles, giving chip chip help with your, your tight ends or your running backs or something like that make emphasizing that pass protection is key um i think that's going to be like the second key for me um and then the third key you have a uke kittle mccaffrey um thankfully uh debo is out i'm a fan of the niners in terms of like respecting their game so i want to see him in the playoffs but right now i need all y'all to sit out if you could (laughs) so (laughs) shout out shout out to debo sitting but with those receivers and just the offensive talent all together Um, I do. Like I said, I have faith in the run game. But at the same time, um, Niners and Kyle loves play action off of the run game. Um, I I need that second level. The linebackers, especially if David Mayo is in. I pray to God that he is not (laughs) for most of this game. (laughs) But if David Mayo is in and and, and Jamin Davis as well, and obviously all the linebackers, uh, I just need I need these guys to read their keys a little bit faster, uh, react a little bit more instinctively. uh, And these are all important because when that boot action comes around like there's not going to be many people out there if you're if you're sucked in on the the play action with Christian McCaffrey around or whoever's out there in the backfield I just think they need to be a little bit smarter with their keys and, and be a little bit more honest uh and understanding where they need to be with the football so I mean excuse me on the on the play so honestly second level uh with the linebackers uh, I, I really need those guys to have one of their their best games uh and i would love for it to be jamie davis the first round pick uh in a moment like this so it, it that's those are my main keys there's several others especially when we're the underdog and we're rightfully the underdog there's several other keys but those are my three main ones bro um as always uh like i said i, I appreciate you and i appreciate everybody for listening but i want to give rob the floor to plug anything and everything that you got going on man the floor is yours oh
1: i appreciate it. thanks for having me uh look we got pods every day at niners nation uh we got short pods in the morning 49ers and five which is just like a five minute update on everything happening with the team then we got long form shows uh every other day after that and of course after the game we live stream the instant reaction show youtube twitter twitch all that stuff
2: sounds good Rob man enjoy your weekend enjoy your holiday uh, and if I don't talk to you the new year man enjoy or happy new year all that good stuff man and um you know I would say I wish y'all luck but not,
1: not just, <laughs> not just, uh, well right back at you except for the luck part